Welcome aboard, Giants fans, to episode 41 of Talk is Cheap, our New York Giants podcast right here on NJ.com. I'm Joe Giglio, joined, as always, by Jordan Renan, James Cratch, here to talk about the Giants as the offseason uh, fully underway. James was at the Senior Bowl in Mobile. He's back, so we'll get into that. The Super Bowl next week, Jordan will be going out there to talk about uh, and talk, to watch the game, cover the game. We'll talk about that, but we'll start here, guys, um, with a little bit on this offseason, kind of a primer of what to come. So, Jordan, we'll go to you first just to kind of set it up because you had a piece on NJ.com this week, uh, your seven-point plan to fix the Giants. And I feel like that's kind of what all Giants fans are thinking. Like, now what? We have a coach. We have the, the structure set. And now I think on the minds of everyone is how do the Giants go about fixing themselves this offseason and getting out of the rut? Yeah, a lot of money. A lot of money to spend. The question is how do you spend it? How do you do it prudently? And where do you invest? Do you put it? How much do you go dig into free agency? How much is too much? Uh, you look at the teams that are consistently in the Super Bowl or going late in the playoffs. Most of them not built. You know, the cores of these teams are not built through free agency. Uh, yes, you can fine tune through free agency. The Broncos, maybe more so than most teams, have done well in free agency. You know, Emmanuel Sanders, Elmas Dumerville. Um, Peyton Manning, but I mean, obviously that was a, 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 a special situation. Uh, but you know, you can add. Uh, you know, Evan Mathis is a guy who they, you know, the Eagle, former Eagle guy that helped them out. Uh, that you, how much can you actually build your team through free agency? And we heard Ben McAdoo, ben, James, you wrote about that. Mm-hmm. You know, Ben McAdoo saying, you know, they're not going to, you know, they're going to be in the Packer way a little bit, where they're not going to just go out and kill it in free agency so we'll see how much that really holds true because they have so much money and they need a entire defense they do they need a lot of help and they need to find a way to to fix all the issues they have so to start here on this episode we're going to go around and each give the first thing we would do the biggest thing we would do uh this offseason if we were running the Giants. so um james will go to you first then to jordan then i'll give mine We'll go around and say, you know, if we had all this money, if we had these draft picks, basically if you were sitting in Jerry Reese's shoes, how would you go about fixing the Giants and what would you do first? James, you go first. I would go out and get a good veteran free agent, free safety. Um, you know, I was down at the senior bowl and there are some, I guess, some, uh, some good, you know, safeties in the draft. You know, the Boise State kid, Darian Thompson, was one that caught a lot of eyes in Mobile. But, you don't want to have another young guy back there with Landon Collins in his second year. I think you want to have a, a veteran presence. So I know look, Giant fans are going to want Eric Berry. It doesn't seem likely that the Chiefs are going to let him hit the market. You know, Eric Weddle. None of these know, top guys are going to hit the market. No, you know, but, you know. Let's but, be honest. Yeah. I think people want, you know, Von Miller. Come on, Von Miller's not yeah. going to hit the market. But Maybe I think Eric Weddle, though, right? Because doesn't he have a lot of issues with the Chargers organization? Yeah, yeah. Now? Weddle's a different story. I mean, this is, he's a 31 year. 31 year old guy or whatever right, right. who has had trouble with the Chargers and they didn't want to pay him. So, of course, he's gone. But what we're talking about the Von Millers of the world, the uh, Eric Berry, you know, the Eric Berry is the kind of guy that he brought, that James brought up there. Uh, those are the kind of guys we're talking about. Those guys are not going to hit the market. Yeah. Even you know, Alshon I, Jeffrey, personally, I don't think he's going to hit the market. I mean, with the, the Bears, how many play, good players the Bears have? They're going to let Alshon Jeffrey hit the market? About five total. So, I mean, Weddle's a guy, obviously he's a little bit older, you know, than a guy like Deshaun Gibson from Cleveland. But I would say that, you know, I, I said this the other day, the Giants can't get it, fix everything in the draft and they can't fix everything in free agency. they got to pick and choose where they're going to attack. 
for me, I think safety is the position where you need to go get a proven commodity and not you, you can draft a linebacker or a defensive end, but go get a safety. And that was a major issue. And once you get the safety squared away, then I think you can, it, it might become easier to build up the rest of the unit. Yeah, I think it would. I, to me, they really need, like you were saying there, James, a rangy safety, someone that could cover. Because to me, that would just yeah, make... Yeah, got to be a free safety. Yeah, because that would make Landon Collins so much more effective if he's, not, if he's not asked to do those things that he can't do very well. Yeah, no, I mean, that's the thing. I think if you get a true free safety behind with Landon Collins... You know, he he could have a great second year. I mean, the Giants really put him in a tough position this year. He started every game, and he was really being asked to do things that he probably isn't ready to do, and he struggled. Everyone knows that. You know, he, they said, you know, the whole thing about the rookie wall. He, he didn't have a great, great first season. There was definitely growing pains. But if you put him with a veteran free safety, he could be a really, really good player, which is what the Giants think they have. Look, I would like a veteran free safety. Don't get me wrong. Uh, you know, I'm my seven point plan had Tashad Gibson as one of the guys that I wanted the Giants to get because I'm I, I'm not into going and paying significant money for 31 year olds in the NFL unless you're really right on the brink. I don't. So I I don't know if that's in my opinion. I don't think that's the right move for the Giants. And the reality is, you know, worst case scenario. They do have three safeties coming back, three young safeties. I know you want a veteran one, but they do have Michael Thompson. Mm-hmm. They do have Nat Burhey. They do have Bennett Jackson. These are three guys that you know kind of screwed the season when they got injured, and they kind of put them in that spot where, oh, my God, now we're stuck without anybody whatsoever. But uh, now, now, granted, I don't know if any of them can actually play safety successfully in the NFL. We haven't seen it from any of the three yet. So until we see it, we really don't know it. But to me – the number one priority, my number one move is, for me, it's Olivier Vernon, Dolphins defensive end. It's got to be pass rush to me. I mean, it's a no-brainer to me. You look at it, this is a team that couldn't rush the passer last year at all. They were the third from the bottom, and the only two teams had less sacks than the Giants last year. Uh, this is a team that has, when they've had success, when they won those Super Bowls, it was because they were able to dominate that defensive line, and they're nowhere near that right now. They're top two defensive linemen. Jason Pierre-Paul, Robert Ayers, both free agents. Uh, they just they have nothing at the position right now except Oa, uh, who we don't know much about yet, which is still a, you know to be determined. And what else? What do you have? Kerry Wynn? Kerry Wynn. That's it. Those two guys, I mean, first thing the Giants need to do is address that pass rush. And to me, that's defensive end. And, I, you know, they need a guy who they know is going to go out there and is going to be – a real difference maker, a real nuisance to opposing quarterbacks. Just get after the. And here's why I like Vernon, okay? He's a guy who already has a double-digit sack season on his record, right? Mm-hmm. He's 25 years old. So you can move forward with this guy. This is a guy, A, you know can already play. Hey, you know, he has what? I think it's, you know, basically close to 40 sacks in the last four years. So it's a guy you know can get after the quarterback. He has a proven track record of success. He's still young, so he has a big future. And, you know, it just it just makes a lot of sense to me to go out and get that kind of guy. See, you know, a lot of people got on me because my plan didn't include, get, you know, adding Jason, you know, re-signing Jason Pierre-Paul. There's so many question marks with Jason Pierre-Paul. This team, no, can't, this team can't afford a guy with question marks at that spot right now. I mean, definitely. I mean, being down in the senior bowl, I, you know, I don't think 
I got the feeling that no one in the NFL, you know, agents, front office guys, coaches, scouts, media, no one really knows where, like, this whole Jason Pierre-Paul thing is going to go in the offseason because there's so many questions. I mean, there are people who think that, you know, once he has the, the surgery on his hand, he'll be fine. There are people who think, I don't care if the club comes off. I don't think he can be uh, an impact, you know, Pro Bowl-level player anymore. You know, people don't you – know, I've always been in the opinion that someone's going to pay him, take a chance, and give him a lot of money. And at that point, in my opinion, the Giants probably will say, "That's great, Jason. We wish you all the best of luck, but we're not going to meet that cost." So I'm with you, but it'll be it'll be sort of deferred if we can get out of that deal because you got to yeah. you got to give yourself an out with JPP, don't you? I would agree, but it's just I don't think anyone really knows like what to expect or or what's going to happen. So. You know, I, I don't think the Giants can plan and say, oh, we're definitely going to bring JPP back, and that's the way we're going to fix the pass rush. Because who knows? Yeah, there's, there's too many unknowns there. And for, like I just said, they have nothing at the position. It's not like they have OCU Manure and Michael Strahan, and then we'll say, okay, let's, uh, let's bring JPP back in, at, a, at a good price, a cheap price, and hopefully we can get something and have him as like our third guy. And if he blossoms into something more and recovers and blah, blah, blah. But they don't have that luxury. That luxury doesn't exist. You need a proven guy, a guy to move forward to the guy that they know for the next five years or three to five years is going to be a disruptive pass rusher for this team every year, game in, game out, season in, season out. And to me, that guy, look, it's not Robert Ayers, and I like Robert Ayers. Don't get yeah. me wrong. I actually like to bring Robert Ayers back. I think he's played great for the Giants in his two years. He's been a force rushing the passer. What I like is, He's done it on the outside and on the inside on passing downs, which just makes him, you know, almost a very versatile Justin Luck, Justin Tuck like player. But Vernon to me is the one guy. He's that slam dunk. Okay, he has a double digit season under his belt. He's still young. You know, even guys like Mario Williams, yeah, he has double digit seasons under his belt, but he's way more of a risk at this point. He's getting older. He had problems on his last team. Granted, he might have something to prove. But to me, Vernon, Vernon is my guy. That is my move. I'm all over that move. I think the Giants need to do that. I agree with both of you guys in terms of the pass rush. And, and Jordan, I like the idea of Vernon. Uh, before I give mine, what do you guys think about multiple pass rushers? I mean, they're going to have to bring in one guy, right? One big guy is probably going to make a, a boatload of the money they spend, whether that be JPP or Vernon or whoever else. There's uh, just no you, way it's going to be JPP. It just right, can't, okay. You can't but, do that. Whoever it's going to be, and I like the Vernon idea as well, is going to be the high-paid guy they bring in. But do you Pass think rushes they need, are expensive? They are, but do you think they need more than just one? Is it an area you think they should address in multiple ways, whether it be Vernon and Ayers and a draft pick or two? Because you go back to when they were at their best, it wasn't just Jason Pierre-Paul, it wasn't just Strahan, it wasn't just OC, it wasn't just Tuck. It was all of them at different times in different waves. How about that? Addressing the pass rush you know, in more than one move. I'll go first on this. Absolutely. That's exactly what I think that they should do. That's exactly what I think should be the priority here. And let me say this. I don't, when I, when you're saying that, first of all, I think they should, you know, if they get a guy like Vernon and Ayers, I still think they should draft a guy. But here's the thing. When we're talking about this, you're talking about addressing the pass rush. And this is a big thing that this defense needs. They need an interior guy to be a pass rusher too. So if it's a defensive tackle, I'm all for that also. In free agency or the draft, preferably the draft for me. Uh, Because, look, you have Jonathan Hankins in one defensive tackle spot. Look, I know Hankins put up decent sack numbers two years ago. That is not his strength. His strength is as a run defender. You need a, you know, 
three technique, defensive tackle who can get after the passer. And I'm not sure if it's Jay Bromley. We really don't know for sure what Jay Bromley can do, but he's not the real difference maker, I don't believe. And if they want to, if that pass rusher that we're talking about needs to be at that spot, I'm all for it too. So three guys in my estimation. Uh, my preference, like I've said, Ayers, Vernon, and one guy in the draft. It could be an end or it could be a tackle. But give me three guys. You throw Oa in that mix, uh, and you maybe maybe then you 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 know you start to build something there. Are you on the same kind of wavelength here, James? They have to fix this pass rush in waves, not just the one big signing, whether it be Vernon or whoever, and say, here's our pass rusher? Definitely. I mean, you can never have enough pass rushers. I think it's like baseball. You can never have enough pitching. And you know, if they can get after the passer and bring pressure consistently, that's going to make the rest of the defense behind them better. You know, Including like, those safeties, James. Including Very the safeties, much. yeah. Very. I mean, if you think about it, you know, okay, so let's just say the Giants are going to get a free safety, whether it be one of the injured guys or – you know, a free agent sign, okay? If they can re-sign Prince, which I think Jordan and I both agree they should do, you got a pretty good secondary. If Collins is playing his natural strong safety, you got a free safety, you got the two cornerbacks, DRC and Prince. If they can get pressure, they're not they still have issues in linebacker, but they're a lot better if they can get after the quarterback. You know, the I the game that stands out to me the most was when they played the Cowboys at home. Yeah, they won the game. But Matt Castle had a drive where he looked like Joe Montana because no one was in his face. He can, you know, and pretty much every NFL quarterback can make throws if he has a clean pocket and he can just stand there all day. And that's what the Giants basically allowed every quarterback to do. They did it. Yeah, they look, did it they, far look, too they, often. They won when they won their Super Bowls. Their quarterbacks were not the strength, you know. They won because their their uh, their pass rush was able to mask some of the deficiencies on the back end. Right, Aaron Ross was out there. They had uh, for the first one, R.W. McCorders played a, a ton in that secondary. They didn't. Corey under- Corey Webster. Corey Webster, right? Covering but Randy he had, Moss. He, the had, Super Bowl. he had his ups and downs. Corey Webster for sure. Oh yeah, I mean he was a guy that sometimes he was pretty good, but then other times he wasn't at all. I mean they, you're right, they masked what they had there. And I mean just go to the Broncos. Now they have good corners. They have a fantastic defense all around. But that. Mm-hmm. AFC title game we just watched. I mean, they their pass rushers, all of them, not just Von Miller, who's the best one. I mean, mm-hmm. they all wrecked the game. Derek Wolf and, and Ware's obviously special too, but he's older. I mean, that, that was that was why they won that game. That's why they beat Tom Brady. Not just Peyton. look at just look at the Carolina Panthers. Front seven, tremendous, right? Yeah. Their safeties are pretty much in deep in coverage are their weakness. You can hit big plays on them, but they're able to mask it most of the time because their front seven is great. One quick thing when we talk about defensive line has popped in my head. I think it's going to be one of the kind of interesting things to watch. And, and we get to OTAs and we get to training camp is that, you know, Lewis Nix was a third round pick that was, you know, didn't work out in Houston, was cut by the Texans. And the Giants, you know, they, they kind of, in a way, invested in the guy. You know, they, they had him on the active roster for a couple of weeks, they had him on a practice squad for a lot of the year. Um, you know, look, he's not a guy you can count on at all. You know, given his history and the fact that he never has really developed, but you know, if he could, if if their gamble works out and he becomes something, he's a guy that could potentially strengthen the interior as well. So, uh, look, he's very low on the list of guys we're talking about. I think definitely, but you know, he's also a guy to keep in mind as well. Yeah, I think uh, Bromley's a better potential guy who can make a bigger splash. I agree with that. Yeah, just I mean, because they need that guy opposite Hankins. You know, they have. 
Nix is more of that Hankins role in my estimation. Yeah. Whereas I think Bromley is more of that, okay, here's a guy who his strength is rushing the passer. <laughs> it's supposed to be. So, you know, maybe, you know, he could develop into that. I, I, we haven't seen it enough to this point, but you never know. I mean, never know. Year, year three, I mean, he was, he was considered a little raw. So year three, it's kind of, kind of the year where everyone kind of thought, okay, maybe this is the year that he probably would be able to, you know, come into his own. So, some some potential there. We saw some flashes of good stuff from him this year for sure. Not enough. Not, not enough. And that was that's kind of the theme of the Giants defense. Not not close to enough. I'll stay on that side of the ball for for the first thing I would do. So James went with a free safety, Jordan, you went with the pass rush, and I'll go with finding a reliable middle linebacker. I mean, something that when yeah. the Giants have been at their best over the last decade or so. They've had someone in there that was a veteran with Pierce. It was a veteran at, in moments with John Beeson. But for so many games over the past few years especially, it's just been a revolving door. They can't keep the guy on the field, whether it be Beeson. They can't keep their leader out there. They need, to me, to find someone at middle linebacker that can play and you can count on. Because everyone loves John Beeson, but you just you can't count on that guy. I mean, his career might be over and uh, certainly probably over with the Giants, but you can't count on him to play because that's his track record now that his, he's too injury prone. So I don't know where they find it. They're probably not going to invest high in the draft because that's not Jerry Reese's way going about business with a middle linebacker, but they got to have to find someone in the linebacking court, primarily in the middle to me, that they could count on out there. I'm with you, Joe. I mean, that's another. I mean, we just hit on the three biggest spots on that defense. But here's the thing: we all went defense because we know that that needs to be where this focus is addressed. I think this offseason, we all agree on that. Has to Def- be definitely. Yeah, I mean, the defense was just so bad, and if they if they hit all three areas we we illustrated there, they're probably will uh, people will say they had a successful offseason. Now, a lot tough of this thing is to do, the- Joe. I mean, that's a tough thing to do. Middle linebacker, as you said, I mean, that's the tough, that is a tough spot to fill, especially in free agency. If you have a good middle linebacker, who's letting a good middle linebacker go? Not many. Te- I'm, look- I'm looking at the why list would you right let a good, now. Why would you let a middle linebacker go? Uh, the Broncos are maybe the only one because they, they kind of have two, but, uh, you know, neither are, are you know, great. Trevathan, I think, is the one that everyone kind of expects to hit the yeah. market. Mm-hmm. I mean, besides that, what do you got? I definitely, not necessarily as a starter. I, I definitely uh, here it comes. South, South Carolina love. <laughs> I, oh, I think I think they should re-sign Jasper Brinkley. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. Because I, I think that he he on this one, James. He was Dom, Jasper he played Brinkley well. Club right there. <laughs> I'm not saying that he's like he, and maybe you don't want him to be the starter, but you you bring him in because look, I was the senior ball. Like, the Giants, you know. They could draft Reggie Ragland at number ten overall, and you know, I know he's playing some outside down there. But you know, you could draft him number ten overall. There, we, we fix this problem in the next ten years. But that's not what the Giants do. So there, you get into free agency, and it's so hard to get a middle linebacker. That I think that you know, obviously they should swing for the fences, but make sure you got Brinkley back. Because at least at some point, you're going to get something serviceable if you have to kick the can down the road further. Yeah, you know, he did play well. I'll give you, I'll give you that, James. He, and I, I do agree with that, that yeah. he would be a good guy to bring back. You at least have, you know, even if you bring him back and if Beeson does want to play, you bring them back and those two are like, okay, those will be the contingency plan with somebody else there. Then, you know, maybe we're, you know, maybe we're, maybe there's something brewing. But this is a tough position to fill, especially in one offseason. You really would have liked to have someone last year. You draft a guy last year with the hope that he could step in this year. But that didn't happen. Did not. 
No. Four forced fumbles well, by Jasper Brinkley, though. It's a pretty good number. It only took him like eight South start. Carolina. It's a, it's a pretty good mark for a South Carolina guy, right, James? <laughs> Definitely. Very good. So now, James, James is the uh, Jasper Brinkley fan club, though. That's for sure. He's the entire thing. Like, he's the, he's the charter <laughs> member. He's the president. He's the only one in it. <laughs> for now, though, if, if this guy becomes a star, James is going to be like, I told you. Yep, yep I told six, you. Six force fumbles a year would be pretty nice, you know? He had four and nine starts, so give him like six or six, six or seven for a year. That'd be pretty, pretty unbelievable number. That would be pretty good production. All right, so we found we gave our ways to, you know, the first thing we would do to fix the Giants. Now, one of the first things about this offseason, and James, you were just down there, uh, was the senior. But we're doing this podcast on a Friday. James just got back from Mobile um, tomorrow, Saturday. Uh, will be the game. So you might be listening to this after the actual game. But James, from what I understand, and, and you were down there. You have uh, oysters, still- James? I did have, I had an oyster, yes. You got to get that it? in, Joe. I mean, oyster, that's, that's what you do down there. You go there I you hear it's not much to do. So it's oysters in one bar, right? Uh, there's a couple of bars, but yeah, oysters, one bar. You know, I was, you know what, Mobile is kind of a cool town. Like, it, it looks kind of like a mini New Orleans. Um, it doesn't really have the uh, atmosphere that New Orleans has. I mean, what what does have that atmosphere? Wasn't it the home of Mardi Gras, like the original Mardi Gras or something? Uh, yeah, there was there, actually, something like you, know that, how, yeah. you know how we up here, like at Halloween time, there's like those pop-up like Halloween stores? They have like pop-up yeah, yeah. Mardi Gras stores down there, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's something like it that the first the Mardi Gras originally was invented there. Like the first Mardi Gras was it was in uh, Mobile, Alabama, probably. So there's, and there's it has a, like old history. Yeah. It was like southern type houses. Yeah, yeah, it was a cool place. You know, it, it's pretty easy to get around. You know, everybody's very friendly. Um, you know, it, it was it was a nice little town. It was a surprisingly like cool little city. So what is the week like? I think fans always wonder because, it, you know, we can watch some of it on TV and obviously the game on Saturday is on TV. Um, but what is the week like just in terms of people, you know, around and, and how the players are watched and talked to? Kind of take us, give us a picture of what it was like down there, you know, from the football perspective. It wasn't just practice, right? Like they, they have the interviews, they talk yeah. to players. Kind of give us a feel of what it was like. Yes. Yeah, so outside of the oysters. Outside of the oysters. Outside of the oysters. So basically Tuesday is like – was one of the longest, and I'm not complaining, disclaimer, uh, one of the longest days I've had since I've been covering the Giants. You know, they start at 8.30 at the weigh-ins, and I know Jordan did this. The weigh-ins are a very, very awkward situation. You know, <laughs> you, you've, you've got it like the whole NFL basically in this convention center, and they've got this stage, and one by one, each player walks across the stage in their underwear, and they do their height and weight, and they shout it out. Um, and then from there, you basically immediately... There's a little bit of time to eat, you know, digest, and then you go to the two practices. Now on Tuesday, I don't. It's not the greatest logistical setup they had Tuesday. They had one right, practice at a high school. The other, yeah, they're, pretty, high they're far field. away, yeah, yeah. And then and the next practice starts 15 minutes after the end of that practice, an hour away. But um, the high school practice was cool because if I remember right, every traffic stunk too. Traffic's horrible. It's a one lane road, but. Like the everybody is like all jammed in together at this high school field. So like, I mean, to me, you know, I was standing there and there was like one coach on the side, and I look over and John Elway came over to shake his hands and like cross over me, and you know, everybody's kind of put in together. When you get to the Lad People Stadium, which is where most of the practices occur, you know, it's kind of you know, there's like a restricted area where guys can you know 
teams can sit in the stands and you can't get on the field. Um, and then there's a big hotel where all the players stay at. And in the lobby, you know, it's kind of a who's who, you know, uh, Teams will, will come and talk to players. They'll do like little informal interviews or, or questionnaires in the lobby. You know, teams will have more extended formal interviews. Where they'll take you know every team has like a, a designated like little like room you know or a little conference room they can use. They can talk to whoever they want. Um, Tuesday they have a media night. We can talk to all the players. So it's basically just one of those day weeks where everybody's kind of out and about and you, and you see people and you, and you see players and you see officials and it, it's it's very informal i think you know it's, it's very low-key laid back um it was kind of cool you know it, it someone remarked to me that you know the nfl is such a a major you know entertainment product but this is very like you know the way they do it in 2016 is the way they could have done it in 1966 it's very basic yeah, it's very football but let's yeah. talk about the giants for a second james Yes, they're, they're, you know most teams are very visible. They're out and about. The Giants, they almost like no. work underground. I mean, I've been there three, three or four times. You were there this year. Yeah. You don't. You have to really go and find the Giants guys out there. Not saying they're not working, but they just work very covertly. Uh, yes. they don't. They don't roll with everyone else. They kind of do their thing. And what you notice in these things, and 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 I think you notice with this with the Giants, this is their the way they do their scouting. They put in their extra time at this point, not with the guys that you know are clean prospects that they you know they pretty much scouted all year that they they have grades on. They spend these times this time meaning the senior ball and the combine and their workouts prior to the draft on guys that they have questions about on guys that you see a lot of questionable guys you know questionable backgrounds questionable position wise like. Braxton Miller was a guy you, you know you, yeah. you, you pinpointed as them paying special attention to, because this is a guy they felt the, that they probably feel that they, they need to put in the extra time on because he only played one year at wide receiver. They only have one year's worth of tape on him. They don't. They have a lot of questions about whether mm-hmm. he can probably transfer. Yeah. Uh, transition to wide receiver. Guys who uh, what's the, who's the, who's the defensive end that uh, kind of got. He didn't flunk out, but what did he get kicked out of Ohio State? Well, Adolphus Washington was a guy who they were talking to, and he, he, he got in some legal trouble. He was suspended from the Fiesta Bowl. So he's a guy they probably want to talk to and, you know, find out, ask him, you know, you know what, right. what happened. You know, he'll give us exactly. the story. So that, that's the Giants' yeah. philosophy at these things. I mean, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to clear up any question marks or if they have to, you know, basically say, you know, this guy's undraftable. They want to be able to say that, and they use these – uh, special NFL functions basically as extra time to put into those kind of players. Before we anything move on, else, I, anything else you notice about them, James? No, I just any other common theme with the guys that they sort of met with or were hovering around. You know, not really. You know, it, as I said, like you know, it was kind of like uh, you would see a blue windbreaker and you'd be like, "Oh, is this a Giants guy?" And then you'd see the the horseshoe. I was, oh, it's a Colts guy. You know, there were some teams down there. Like the Eagles, like everywhere you turn, there was someone with Eagles gear on. The whole coaching staff was there. I mean, Jeffrey Lurie flew in for Wednesday, but um, <laughs> John Mara wasn't there. John Mara was not there. Chris um, was. Chris is there. Chris yes, is there. Chris, Chris Mara was there. Who's in the uh, personnel department? Yep. Mark Ross, the draft boss, was there. Kevin Abrams, assistant general manager, was there. Uh, Jerry Reese was there. I uh, actually. I got to see Jerry the other day. Um, he, you know, he was a guy, but but they weren't Jerry, very visible. Jerry sit, Jerry sit with Mark and Chris on the other side of the field. Yes, yeah. 
Yep. Yeah, that's kind, of, kind of how it's been in the past. Is that, yeah, they, they kind of run separate departments. It seems yeah. To me. It, but, it, you it's know, always it, the estimation. One does like sort of the pro personnel. One day, you know, Jerry and his crew yeah. handle more of the, uh, the other side of it. But yeah, they're, they're, just, they're very low-key. You know, I, I was talking to someone from the Jets, and I said, hey, have you seen any of the Giants people? And they kind of pause. They're like, yeah, no, I haven't seen any of them, you know? So there's a lot of teams you see out in full force, and obviously Ben McAdoo and and the coaching staff was not there, which it kind of varies, you know, like there were some coaching, like the Eagles had their whole coaching staff there, it looks like, except for the guy that they hired during the senior bowl. Um, I think the Jets had Todd Bowles was there, but they had, you know, one or two position coaches. Uh, the The Giants did have one coach there. Special teams coordinator Tom Quinn was there. Um, I believe that there's a... But, but, but. Why was he there? But why was he there? He was there because my understanding is that they have a kickers, punters, long snapper uh, workout. It's kind of, it's not necessarily uh, associated with the senior bowl, but, you know, it's kind of run concurrent to the senior bowl so that those guys can get a look. Um, It's somewhere in the area. I'm not exactly sure what city it was in. So my understanding was that he was just rolling through town to go to that, so he happened to swing by the senior bowl practices. But uh, he was the only Giants coach that was there. You know, you wonder. It makes you wonder and think about it. You know, Tom Coughlin doesn't have a great tree. You know, his guys didn't go down there. I don't know if they ever went down there, but at least for the last, you know, four or five years when I've been down there, there's been no Giant coaches. This is also an opportunity for these guys, you know, coaches, to go down there and spend more time with other coaches and sort of mingle with other people around the league. Uh, I wonder if anyway it stunted growth of assistance by not, by not being down there. You know, because you think That's about Tom Coffin's tree, and there's, there's really not a huge tree of guys that have sort of sprouted out and spread their wings and done bigger and better things. It's no, definitely. You say it like that because, look, he, the guy coached forever. He had a lot of success forever, two different franchises, and he doesn't. You're right. He doesn't have that tree where, you know, you start saying, oh, that's the Tom Coffin tree. It's just there's not many of those guys. Yeah, I mean, Spagnola got a job, but he was really only with them for two years. Right. I mean, you know, he didn't, like, grow up in, you know, Coughlin's uh, coaching staff and go on and become a head coach. It was more like – And then like, what, Sullivan became the offensive coordinator of the Bucks. So that didn't work out very well. Right. He's the one guy that you almost – you know, who else really was there for the long term? I mean, Dave Merritt's been their secondary coach for what, 10 years? Yeah. No, I guess it'll be 13 years now. I think he was there when Tom got there. So Yeah, but I was he there as a secondary coach? That's yeah, right. that's a good point. He, right, he's been there. So he was there when Tom got there. He's the only one left, right? I think so. But I don't think he was. Uh, I don't think he came in as the secondary coach. I think he was one of those like defensive assistants at first. But that wasn't a Tom uh, thing, right? That just seems like it's a Giants thing where the coaches don't go because McAdoo's not there now, or wasn't. Yeah, I, we, we don't know. Who knows? I mean, I, I haven't been around long enough. I, 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 yeah, I, assume I mean, if their coaches wanted to go, I'm sure they could go. If it wasn't like a you know philosophical thing for the for Coughlin, I mean, McAdoo. You said I think the the Packers don't go, right? I mean, I, I didn't see Mike McCarthy. Obviously, Mike McCarthy, you know, had, he dropped out of the Pro Bowl because he got sick. Oh, um, that's why they weren't there. Yeah, though. yeah I don't but know. I didn't see. But I. But then they again, like, I didn't any. see a lot. I didn't see a lot of Packers scouts either. Um, yeah, I saw like one or two guys wearing Packers gear. But you know, that might be a case if they like the Giants kind of work under the radar. Yeah, um, yeah, they're there. They're there. All, they're all there. team scouts are there for sure. Hundred yeah. percent. It's funny, but no, everyone's, it's, everyone's trying to do the same thing, but everyone does it a little bit differently. Yeah, yeah Giants are very old school in their approach to scouting. I think that, that's for sure. Uh, you know, 
uh, Jerry always says it, you know, it doesn't change it's football. You know, you know, he gives you these, he's a real, he, talk, he talks in real football speak. You know, he's, he's a football guy. Yeah. 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 He uses, he uses that term that they, they continually, you know, Chip Kelly continually used when he went to uh, San Francisco. Oh, he's a football guy. We're talking about bulky out there. You know, Jerry Reese is, uh, he's a football guy. He's a scout. He was a former coach. He was a, uh, a former player, I forget, you know, somewhere in Tennessee. Right, and football guys always seem to get along with other football guys, and the non-football guys, they don't fit in as quite as uh, well. Ah, yeah, then you become Howie Rosen. That's right. You're, Howie you're was on, there. It's a holding court. Oh, Howie's always there when he's allowed. Yeah. <laughs> Chip's not telling him to stay home. Um, so the Senior Bowl, come, you know, the, the week is gone, and then the game will be played tomorrow. We're doing this podcast on a Friday, depending on when you're listening to it. And, um, Jordan, you are heading to San Francisco coming up in a couple days, and we have Super Bowl 50 on the horizon. So we'll, we'll wrap up this episode of Talk is Cheap, a little Super Bowl talk as uh, number one seed versus number one seed. And usually on this podcast, we just keep it to Giants and the game ahead, but we have a Super Bowl coming up, so we could chat about the game for a few minutes. And, uh, Jordan, I want to start with you because I believe, I could be wrong, but we did our staff picks all throughout the playoffs. I think you were the only one last week, maybe one more of us, but of the seven or eight of us, that do the picks. You're the only one I can remember right now that picked the Broncos to win that game over the Patriots, even though they were at home and obviously had, had a dominant defense. So uh, good pick by you. And what do you think about them as no one's given them much chance here heading into the Super Bowl? Yeah, I really shouldn't take too much credit for it because, you know, I, as I wrote there is that I'm picking it because of the sentimental. Like I just wanted to see, you know, you want to see Peyton Manning go out that way. Uh, we're all sick of seeing the Patriots, you know, enough with the Patriots. So it would be nice to see Peyton Manning go out that way. Look, I want to see Peyton Manning win, go, and never play a game again because it's hard to watch this guy play, man. This is, he is a shell of himself. I mean, he, it, it's like he, I, I never saw Willie Mays play, but I imagine it was like seeing Willie Mays play at the end of his career with the Mets. But fortunately for Peyton Manning, he's on a really good team with the league's number one ranked defense. And that's sort of my takeaway from this Super Bowl. As you look at it, we took – all the things we heard about all these teams this year and all the things we hear about offense, here's the final, here was the final four. Ready? Defensive ranks. One, five, nine. Uh, yeah, so that was the Broncos, Cardinals, Panthers. All right. One, five, six, and nine. Defensive ranks of those four teams. So defense, still very important in this league. You need it. And, uh, you know, that's sort of where we stand here. Which team is going to be able to play, you know, put up points on the board in this game. And, again, I'm going to pick the Broncos, but, I, I, again, it's more of a sentimental pick because, let's be honest, overall this year, the best team all around has been the Carolina Panthers. They really have been. And when you think about it, I mean, the, they are a win away here from becoming, I believe, only the third team ever to finish the season with only one loss and a Super Bowl. Because there have been two 15-1 teams that won it all. Uh, the Patriots, obviously, in 07, went 16-0, but they didn't win the Super Bowl with their one loss. So, I mean, James, do you think that we, if the Panthers do win this, and they're favored to, that they'll be talked about as you know, one of the better teams we've seen in a long time? I mean, they have that kind of resume. You know, I... I that's a great question. I really haven't thought about it much. I mean, they have the resume. Um, you know, that's, 
you know, my my gut would tell you, my gut would say that if if they if they do it more than once, and I think that they have a team that's built to potentially do, even if they don't win on Sunday, and I'll get to my pick in a second. Um, I think there's a team that they might have some. They're going to have some staying power. They're young enough, but you know, I, I don't know if they're going to be remembered as like the '85 Bears necessarily. Um, you know, that's a, that's a great question. I'm going to say tend to say yes because I think that you know people like this year that Cam's had is unbelievable, and and Luke Keekley's a tremendous player, and you know, you know, people are going to remember you know if Thomas Davis plays in the Super Bowl with a broken arm. People are going to remember that. So. Uh, I'll say I don't think they're going to be remembered as like like the greatest team single season team in history, but I think they'll they'll be in the conversation. Like you know, if we start talking about the best ten single season teams, you know, it's amazing be because we, we hear nothing about them. You know, like they they don't get that respect right now. It's, it's crazy. Like, no, you know, but it, you wouldn't even notice that they're like a what are they eight, uh, eighteen and one? It's seventeen and one. Seventeen and one. Seventeen and one. Yeah, I mean right. it's. You know, it's tremendous, and you know, th- <laughs> this team could be eighteen and zero. I mean, that that Falcons game was a game that they probably played that game, you know, fifty hundred times. They probably win win most of them. So, yeah, but Julio Jones jumped over a guy's head, right? It right. wasn't Josh. Wasn't Josh Norman? It was somebody else, I believe. Just ridiculously jumped over somebody's head for a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that seventy five no yards what, or something. If they win the Super Bowl, they're going to be remembered. You know, the, given the footballs of the kids, you know, they have a chance to be an iconic team. I don't think they're going to be the eighty five Bears because you know it's Charlotte. You know, Char- Charlotte's not a cow town, but it's also not a big city. So, right, that that does play a role into all this. And and before we wrap up, so James, who do you like, pick? Joe? Who do you like? Let's see, my pick was uh, the Broncos. I'm sticking with them. Why not, James? Your pick is, is my pick is. It's sort of sentimental, but I always think about you know all the the stuff that people have said about Peyton Manning over the years. He can't win the big game. I mean, how ironic would it be if Peyton Manning actually walks out the gym with a Super Bowl? Maybe think even about better, it. even better. How about he drives him down the field in his final drive for the game winner? That's what I'm saying. I mean, like that would this, be unbelievable. Because like, look, I, not to get too hyper, you know, hyperbole here, but in my opinion. If Peyton, if the Broncos win on Sunday, and and, I, and Peyton's, there's no way he comes back after that. People can't rag him about Eli because him and Eli will both have two rings. Now Eli will have a chance to get a third, but it's not a very it's not a very long window. And let's be honest, Giants are a long way away from the Super Bowl. He'll have walk off you know championship to end his career. He's got all the stats. You know, I mean. If Peyton wins on Sunday and next Sunday, I think the best ever book might be shut. Yeah, I still think he'll always have the Brady thing hanging over his head. If, if we're talking, but he's about three the best. and one against Brady in the if AFC we're, title we're game. We're talking about the best ever though. But Brady's been yeah. to what? How many Super Bowls? He has five six Super, Super Bowls. Bowls. Six Super Bowls. Six Super Bowls. How many does he win? Six. Four. He has four. So he's four and two, and this is Peyton's four fourth two. appearance. He's one I'm and two. Yeah, so he would still have double the Super Bowls and double the Super Bowl appearances. If Peyton's no, no, no. last game... If Peyton's fourth, right? Yeah. Peyton's if, fourth, right. If Peyton's four to six. Six. last game... More Peyton, Super Bowl appearances, maybe. And counting, because who knows? You know, yeah. Brady's still going, obviously. I'm just saying, I think if Peyton wins the Super Bowl and walks out of the stadium and we never see him again, you know, yeah. in terms of playing on the field, and he has a second championship and he basically wins... Basically leads a team with his brain because he physically doesn't have it anymore. Yeah, watching him throw is painful, by the way. You know, it really is. He's got nothing on it. It's so bad. 
you know. But, it is you know, like Linguini. And I'll say <laughs> one thing. I think John Elway deserves a tremendous amount of credit. The guy knew how to win with a 38-year-old quarterback that probably shouldn't be playing anymore, and he knew how to win with a young quarterback that had never really played before. He, he built a team that was able to handle both situations and, and continue to thrive. So I think he, he deserves a tremendous amount of credit for this. But look, I, I'm going to say the Broncos win 23-20, and Peyton somehow pulls it out, and then he, we just, he walks right off the podium, he walks out of the stadium, and you know, that's it. And you know, we'll, he can go take over the Browns or the Titans as, a, as the personnel guy, and we'll see him in Canton in five years. It would really make his resume, you know. It, it changes his whole complexion. Yeah. You wouldn't be able to, there's no, there would be no real knock on the resume. You can't sit no. there and say, you know, once you brought up Peyton Manning, there would be no real knock if he had the second Super Bowl, I think. It's no. amazing, though. He's already an all-time great. We all agree on of that. Of course he is. It's, it kind of negates all the knocks you have against him. Because he, you know, he won with two different teams. I mean, how, has any quarterback ever won the Super Bowl with two different teams? I'm sure someone has. I'm just forgetting about it. I don't know if they, anyone has. Okay. You know. Montana got close. He got to the AFC title game with the Chiefs with, before with he was Chiefs. done. You know, so he'll have that. He'll, he'll have tied Eli on rings. You know, I mean, he'll have four Super Bowl appearances, two titles. It, you know, it, it just it, if he wins this game, I, I think it just. It, I just think that he's a guy who, I think he'll rise to the occasion somehow, and he'll find a way on Sunday. I'm gonna go with the Panthers. I'm gonna be the buzzkill here. Even though I'm with you guys, I want Peyton to win. I, I love watch, love watching him play throughout his career. Would love to see him walk off Ooh, the field. Way to ruin it, Joe. I know, I know, with the victory. But it's funny, James, as you said that. It's not fair, and Jordan, I agree with you. His legacy shouldn't be altered like that much. I mean, he, he's, he's done his thing. I mean, he's a, one of the great quarterbacks ever. But there is going to be a major divide based on this outcome. I mean, like you guys said, if he wins, he walks up the field a winner. You can't really say anything. He loses. That'll always be there. One and three in the Super Bowl. One and Bowl. three, yeah. That, that's... It'll go back to that. Like, and even when he was in college, like, he just he didn't do well in the biggest games. That was, that's been yeah. his legacy, fair or not. And, and not you know, to throw we're more talking water. about we're, we're obviously we're talking about you know the fact that he's he's going to be in that greatest ever conversation is pretty awesome anyway. But when you're in the greatest ever conversation, you're nitpicking little things, and that, that's, that's you know that's what happens. And and not even that, but like yes, he, he won the Super Bowl. But as I've always said, he basically won the worst Super Bowl in history. I mean, <laughs> it was you ugly. Know, he he. It was like a week. It was like a regular season game, and at the end of it, they just handed the the guy a team that won the Lombardi <laughs> Trophy and patted him on the back. Yeah, I, mean, but I don't care about that. Maryland basketball won the ugliest, worst but, basketball I mean, game ever played. That's Bears Indiana, team like, against in, Indiana. It was like fifty something to fifty something. It was disgusting. <laughs> and you know what? I don't care at all. That Bears team and, and Rex Grossman. It was just like it was a very underwhelming Super Bowl. I always kind of felt bad, but you know, Peyton finally got got a championship. And it was like the most ho hum championship in history. Um, yeah, well, it's a different game though, because when you look twenty years ago, there was no salary cap, so the teams that were in it were all behemoths every year. Yeah. You know, the they, Cowboys and Niners. Yeah, and and you know the Broncos and the Bills were in it every year for the AFC. Like there were teams in, that were loaded from top to bottom because there was no salary cap, so you could you can have guys that you, once you had built a team where you were loaded everywhere, you weren't going to lose five guys to free agency. You know, so you weren't going to lose half your good players to free agency within yeah. the next two or three years. I say Broncos win close, or the Panthers win by thirty. I think those that's the two things we're getting. <laughs> yeah, so the Broncos. That's not positive get... for the Broncos. Oh, no, it is. No. They can't get behind. <laughs> You're really stretching, picking a win. Yeah, you, well, you can't fall behind fourteen nothing like everyone, twenty-one nothing like everyone yeah. has, right? 
Right, because then you just get steamrolled. James, before we wrap up, to go back to what you said earlier, no quarterback has ever won a Super Bowl with two different teams. So Craig Morton with the Cowboys and Broncos very early in Super Bowl history took two teams, and then Kurt Warner took three different teams, two Rams teams and the Cardinals, so three teams but two franchises, um, and now Peyton. So only three quarterbacks have ever taken two different franchises, and none have won with two. So he'd have that. I mean, that's a pretty, you know, and, and, you know, give Peyton credit. He chose the right situation. I mean, you know, there were multiple teams that were in that free agency sweepstake. I mean, look, we saw what happened with Brett Favre. Brett Favre kept on chasing one more championship, and it really didn't end very pretty for him. And I think Peyton deserves a lot of credit for, you know, even though he probably played a year too long, you know, he might squeeze a championship out of it and go out on top, which is something that no one really has ever been able to do, except the guy who brought him to Denver. Which, which would make, makes the story even better. So uh, Jordan has the Broncos. James has the Broncos. I have the Panthers. It'll be a fun week. Jordan, you'll be going out there on Monday, right? I will be going out there Monday. We will be at Media Day on Monday afternoon, Monday evening. Evening it is, I believe. In prime so time, it'll yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be a fun week. There'll be a lot of Giants around, so stay tuned for some Giants news. Sounds good. And now Odell we'll Beckham, be- I believe, will be out there. I know Jeff Schwartz is out there. Victor Cruz is usually probably out there at these. Eli, kind of- Eli's out there. Has a chance to be named the Walter Payton Man of the Year. Manning family. That'll be a pretty decent story. So. Stay tuned. Come back to NJ.com all week. I'll, I'll have you covered. Great stuff. Jordan, you have a safe flight. James, you have a good week. And we'll catch up here soon. All right, guys? Sounds good. Sounds good, Joe. And we appreciate all of you for listening to Episode 41 of Talk is Chief, our New York Giants podcast right here on NJ.com. We'll be back with you soon to talk more Giants football.